I'm Katie Quinn, and this is my show, Q. Q is an interview show that talks about Missouri. I was born and raised in St. Louis, and now I go to the University of Missouri, also known as Mizzou. I'm just trying to get the word out there about what's going on in our state. I interview experts on issues that may have been unseen by the public. This week is all about investing and how college kids should get started. GameStop is at the forefront of everyone's mind, but the news around it can be confusing. Financial advisors recommend people start investing at a young age, but they don't always provide an easy understanding of where to go and what to look for. Today, I talked to portfolio manager Kyle Reynolds, a Columbia resident who works for Commerce Trust Company. He shares his insight on the stock market. Originally from uh, Indiana, uh, made my way over to Missouri, oh, I think maybe about 10 years or so now. But um, uh, the reason I came over to Missouri is my parents moved over here. And uh, when they did, my mom got a job uh, at a local bank. And so uh, after uh, college, that was just a natural landing spot for me. So she was able to (laughs) help me get my foot in the door um, just doing, you know, normal uh, banking, retail banking, um, but then from there, just uh, over time, transitioned uh, to more of the, the, the trust side or investment side, um, if you will, and, and, and started as an uh, investment analyst at a different firm um, and then have just worked my way up uh, to portfolio manager, getting various designations um, and things like that. So it was more of a natural progression, um, uh, just you know, feeling my way through my career than um, you know, a tremendous amount of intent. <laughs> now, there's a broad question, but I just want you to simplify it for me. What is the stock market? Yeah, so the stock market is a place where um, uh, individuals, companies um, uh, can be market participants and um, they can uh, have the opportunity to, to make money, uh, to lose money. They can hedge uh, uh, balance sheet risk, uh, personal risk, um, if they want to, through a lot of different uh, various vehicles, or at least that's how um, uh, I would say the common person uh, would, would view the stock market. My, I wanted to talk to you today, of course, because I'm a college student, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, I don't think college students necessarily understand what the stock market is or how to get started. So could you tell me a good way of how a college student could start investing in stocks? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So the first thing they would want to do is um, they'd really want to determine um, where, what type of account would they want to, to put their money in. Uh, you know, you could have a taxable account or rather just a, an account in your individual name that uh, as you earn dividends and things like that, you get taxed on it as you go. Um, or they could open up what's called a Roth IRA, where um, if you make contributions to that Roth IRA, uh, then, then the money that you make, uh, dividends, um, market appreciation, you know, if your stock price moves up uh, or if the stock that you own moves up in price, um, uh, is tax-deferred uh, earnings. Um, you can't pull the money out, um, or at least you can't pull your earnings out until, uh, you know, closer to the retirement age, and there are different tax rules. Uh, around that. So you really want to understand uh, what type of an account structure you want. Um, then, the fir- then the next thing you want to do um, is, is, is go to a brokerage platform 
that you would find easy to use. You know, uh, Fidelity, Schwab, uh, Robinhood has certainly gotten um, a, a lot of news lately, and, and these are no um, – uh, this is not a commercial for either one of them. I'm just naming some of the bigger players. Um, but So once you establish that, then you can get – uh, to trading um, um, stocks if you wanted to. The one thing I would caution is, you know, if you're just starting out um, and maybe you don't have a tremendous amount of capital, um, it'd be really easy to go out and just buy a cross-section of the market. So then you can own and have exposure to a lot of different stocks um, uh, and positions without having to uh, uh, put it all into a single name. And so you can do that by buying an exchange-traded fund. You can go out there and, and just buy the S&P 500 if you'd like. Uh, and that would really be the best way uh, uh, to go about starting out. Um, one thing that, um, you know, people just getting into investing also want to account for are transaction fees. Uh, really want to be mindful of any time you buy or sell a position, uh, how much it's going to cost you to get in or out. Uh, now, the beautiful thing is it's 2021, um, and and there has been a race to the bottom, so to speak, on fees. And so, um, you know, if you go to a Fidelity or if you go to a Schwab or one of these other ones, they will offer um, uh, a broad range of investments that you can that you can buy uh, that don't have any transaction fees associated with them. So that's a really great starting point uh, for anybody who's, who's really ready to, to jump right in. Is there an amount of capital that you recommend starting out in stocks? Uh, no, just get started. Um, you know, it's uh, you're not going to be able to uh, buy every single stock or ETF or fund or whatever it is if you don't have the money uh, to to pay for whatever they're asking for. Uh, whoever the market is, how they determine that price. Meaning, you know, if you have fifty dollars in your account but you want to buy Apple and it's a hundred, you can't do that. Um, but but start anywhere. You know, if you have ten bucks, twenty bucks. Um, uh, transfer it to that account, and, and maybe you have to let uh, uh, that monthly transfer or weekly transfer build uh, for a couple of weeks or months before you know you really feel comfortable that you have a nice base to get in. Um, but just start now, um, and, and the amount doesn't matter. As of 2020, only around 30 percent of 18 to 29 year olds own stock. In your opinion, why do you think that number is so low? I think it's education, um, you know, uh, hopefully in that time frame, uh, if somebody, you know, goes to work for somebody, um, um, you know, they would encourage them <laughs> to to open a 401k and start a retirement plan. Um, but I, I just think that, um, you know, maybe a lot of people aren't aware of the options uh, through employer-offered uh, um, uh, retirement accounts or investment accounts. Uh, or what they can do even outside of that if they don't offer. Um, I just think, you know, there's a big gap um, of just education and knowledge of what's available to them and what's the benefit uh, of investing uh, for your future. I mean, it's fun to do it now, um, but certainly you want to take that long-term approach. And so I would say that that um, is probably the number one thing is there's just not a lot of knowledge around what, what are the available products to uh, folks that could help them? There are a lot of apps out on the market involving stocks. Do you recommend like an Acorns or Robinhood to use? Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend them. Um, you know, I, I would probably 
uh, lean towards um, some of the more established companies um, like a Fidelity, a Schwab, a Vanguard, um, maybe rather than some of these um, uh, more startup companies. Certainly, the the user experience I'm sure is a little friendlier, just because you know they're they're fintech companies, they're financial technology companies. Um, but but I would want, um, or what I would I would hope that somebody would want in the platform. Um, as one, the company to have uh, deep pockets, right? So um, nothing, nothing bad can happen to to that company or that position or the platform. They have the money to invest in the technology, um, but but just their broad expertise. They have a lot of things built out, you know, customer service, um, product offerings, things like that. So I would lean towards uh, one of those more well-established uh, uh, companies that that offer, you know technology applications now. We saw stocks, of course, um, at a high pre-pandemic, and now they've been fluctuating but steadily growing again. What is your advice to someone who has a stock that drops significantly? Uh, yeah, well, uh, it's hard to say. Uh, it all depends on, on the reason why the stock dropped. Um, you know, it could still be a good position. Um, maybe there are some external forces that, that weighed on the stock price. Um, uh, maybe it was just a, a bit of bad news. Maybe they just came in line with earnings. Uh, a lot of different reasons why um, a stock price would fall, but necessarily doesn't mean that it's a bad stock. So um, there are, are too many variables uh, really to answer that question directly. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes, um, you know, if it's a really good stock position, it has a good outlook, but, but there's one of these external forces, well, if the stock price drops, uh, it gives you the opportunity to buy more at maybe a discounted price, um, or or maybe um, something happened. It should be valued as high as it was before price fell, and and then you need to decide to exit. So, um, unfortunately, there's no <laughs> there's no great uh, answer for that. There are a lot of news articles and media outlets who talk about this stock is going to be high in a week. This stock is going to be low. Mm -hmm. Are any of those media outlets reputable, or do you recommend somebody do research somewhere else? Well, I think you would want to take a compilation of um, uh, um, information or analysts or, or data points uh, to really come up with, um, you know, your own rationale for or your own pricing for a, a particular asset. Um, you know, there are a lot of very um, uh, credible sources out there. Uh, that that folks can get into, um, but but I would say and I would recommend taking uh, a few various ones um, and, and make sure you're not falling into uh, what we call confirmation bias. If you think a stock's going to rise, don't go out there and just look for um, analysis that's going to back back up uh, your claim just to make yourself feel better. Um, but really make sure you go out there and really get a, a, a broad uh, range of opinions. Um, so that you kind of go in eyes wide open before you buy a position. What is the biggest mistake that people make when they start investing for the first time? Oh, great question. Um, oh, well, well, one thing, I think if people are doing it on their own, um, um, I, I think there's two. Uh, I think emotions get the best of folks. Um, you know, if, if the stock drops or the stock market drops very quickly, I think they have a tendency to have a knee-jerk reaction and want to uh, sell. 
Uh, and as you know, that goes against the old cliche of, you know, buy low, sell high, uh, where they're actually buying high and selling low um, based out of fear. Now, you may need to sell if a position sells off because you don't want to continue throwing good money uh, at a bad stock. Um, but sometimes when the market as a whole drops, uh, people get nervous and, and they sell out. And, and 2020 is a perfect example um, of not doing that, right? The market sold off 35% uh, really in the month of March. Uh, and then at the end of March, it turned on a dime, and, and uh, equities rallied to the end of the year, and, and the stock market was up for the year, uh, which is really pretty remarkable. So I think, you know, folks need to have a, you know, a really great awareness of their emotions uh, when it comes to investing. And then I think the second one um, that uh, maybe especially young people make when they get into, when they start investing is there's a lot of short-term trading that happens, Right. Um, it's certainly um, uh, that we're seeing more today. It's more prevalent. Is uh, somebody will buy a position, you know, they'll sell it 30, 60 days later. Uh, but what I don't think they realize is that there are tax implications for that. Um, if you sell a if you buy and sell a position within one year, within a one year time frame, uh, you have to pay ordinary income tax. Uh, on on any of that growth or gain that you have, assuming it's not in an IRA or other tax deferred account, um, and then you know uh, if if you hold it for over a year, then still you get preferential tax treatment. Um, but what I don't think they consider is how that impacts their overall market returns uh, because they are going to have to pay some money to Uncle Sam. And then my last question for you. As someone in journalism, I often see people use the stock market as an indicator of the economy. Why is that? Because, uh, you know, the, as the stock market moves up and down, I think it um, uh, allows people to, to say, well, is our economy healthy or is it, or is it not healthy, you know? Um, uh, it's probably um, uh, sometimes there's a disconnect there between what the, the stock market does and how the economy um, uh, the the condition uh, of the economy um, it's correlated for sure as the stock market goes up. Obviously, there's some enthusiasm uh, about the growth of the economy, both in the U.S. and uh, globally. Um, but but it's not a perfect correlation, as we saw uh, at 2020. I hate to go back to that again, um, but but I just think it's a very visual way uh, or visual representation um, of uh, how people view that, you know, our, our country is doing uh, in terms of uh, business health, um, you know, unemployment numbers or employment numbers and, and all those various, uh, you know, headline news um, uh, data points. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you talking to me today. Sure. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for joining me today on Learning the Stock Market Basics. For updates on this story, follow me at KDQ News on Instagram and Twitter. Next show, listen to hear about biodiversity in Missouri. As always, remember, question everything.